You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, with my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Life is moving forward in Bengals world, and we are on the cusp of uh, Bengals and Ravens beatdown coming up this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we actually have a special guest joining us today that's going to come later in the show. We have Ing Raven, uh, which I was excited to have on. He's huge on YouTube. Um, he's going to give us some perspective going into this game from behind enemy lines. Before, when we had a divisional game against the Steelers, we had uh, Tony Serino on. Be sure to check that out. But very excited to have Ing Raven on today. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to us um, on any kind of podcast platform, Google Play, Spotify, um, the iTunes podcast. We're everywhere, Stitcher. Anywhere you can probably find us, just search for Cincy Jungle. You'll find us on there, and we're with the syndicate of other SB Nation Cincinnati Bengals podcasts, so be sure to check us out there. Uh, I am Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. You can find my stuff on YouTube. He is Zim Hude. You can find him on Zim underscore Hude on IG. You can also follow us on Twitter uh, with our respective names. I think Zim's is actually Zim Hude with no underscore on Twitter. Check him there. Uh, my IG is New Stripe City. My Twitter is New Stripe City. And before we get started, man, um, you guys know that I missed the last show. I recently had a major loss. Uh, and my family, man, I, I feel like this is a family loss as I lost my godson. And uh, one thing that I wanted to say is that some things are just bigger than sports. And, you know, people just have to be more conscious when they get behind the wheel. Um, he was taken away from us for um, the kid was 10 years old. Um, so please um, pray for his family. Uh, make sure that they're in your, your prayers and things of that nature. Uh, and if you can't help, there's actually a donation page. I'll have a link within my Twitter bio that's at New Stripe City. If you're listening to this on YouTube, I'll be sure to leave a link in the description. Any amount helps. Uh, we really just need your help. His family just needs the support in this time of need. And Breland, we're, we're uh, thinking about you, and you're on our mind all the time, and we love you. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I just want to say, too, if you get a chance, too, to go to my Instagram page, I'll be posting a link on it, too, like daily um, for the rest of this week that we're recording this. But um, from that link, even if you if you feel as though you, you're at a rough spot in your life and you don't have any money to donate, you can still go to the page and uh, donate some words of encouragement, anything, and just try to put yourself in someone else's shoes for a quick minute because this is our extended Who Day fam, and we want to make sure that everybody's getting support throughout. Right, and even if it's just sharing it, if you don't have anything to, to give, just share it, let them know the story, and just move on from there. Um, but bringing it back to football, Zim, I'm going to let you go off for a second. Um, we didn't get to talk about, about the Cardinals game, but I did hear your thoughts on it, and I think that puts things in perspective uh, for me. What are you looking forward to in this Ravens game? Um, I've I've been looking at a couple of different things. Lou Anarumu has come out and said that he's going to say let a lot of younger guys play. So, um, the the few snaps that Jermaine Pratt has got, I think he's got like a total of thirty something throughout the whole entire year. I, I expect those to go up. There's no reason for Preston Brown to be out there um, in this game. This was the game last year that I was calling for Malik Jefferson to pretty much just shadow uh, Lamar Jackson. To me, this is the Jermaine Pratt game. Um, if they don't make the changes, if they don't do it, 
I, I really don't even know what he's what I, I I don't understand what the plan would be because the athleticism has showed up um in a few spots that Jermaine Pratt's been in. So my main thing that I'd be looking at is just trying something from a linebacker position different than what they've been doing. Nick Visual uh leads the team to miss tackles. Not really a fan of that and I don't like them isolating Jesse Bates in these in these different scenarios where now he's taking on the brunt of like two different coverages and, and teams are just teams are just absolutely destroying them because they're trying to get fancy with these zone blitzes and these fire blitzes and and a lot of those are about timing and Lou Anaruma was just calling them at some bad times and that happens. But I just think that they just need to simplify the playbook, find someone to shadow Lamar Jackson. But so this is this is the defensive podcast for me where I'm gonna be focusing on a lot of that. You get Darquez Denard back, so you also are gonna get a little bit more uh better tackling as well. So you got Denard, McRae, and Webb pretty much that will be in there a lot more than normal. And they're all three really, really at the top of the league in tackling as far as uh secondary goes. So those are the things that I'll be focusing on. Um I also want and when I mentioned younger people playing Brandon Wilson had a couple big plays last game in the Cardinals game when I went back and watched it. Um, he's also like one of the better returners with Alex Erickson probably still in the concussion protocol. I'm looking for Brandon Wilson to get more opportunities in the special teams department um, with returns, excuse me, and then also um, on the field itself. Because one thing that I did notice is that on the uh, one punt return, I believe I, they had Tyler Boyd, who I do not want to see lining up to return a kick. They had him back there, I think it was once, and that's not – that is our number one. That is the core of this entire Bengals offense, like, moving forward. And to me, like, you cannot put him out there in that spot. So, Brandon Wilson, I'm going to be looking for him to maybe take on some more return responsibilities. From the offensive standpoint, it is what it is. It's the same thing I tell you every week. We need 28 points. If you ain't scoring 28 – I don't want to hear about how the defense let him down and all this other crap, but the, the name of the game is let's get the defense like uh, situated, get some younger guys in there, and let's start seeing what we got. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, I, I totally agree um, with you on that. The only thing that worries me is that this team that is coming in, uh, that we're going against, is a running team. And the Achilles heel of the Bengals this season has been that they cannot stop the run. And that's what scares me about this team because they come in with a guy in Lamar Jackson that I know is going to give the Bengals problems. Uh, He's going to be a guy that can extend plays. He's going to be a guy that, you know, coming off of Kyler Murray running for 92 yards, what are we going to do with Lamar Jackson? Like, he could easily rush for 100 yards himself. Not only that, they also have a running back in Mark Ingram who's having a solid year. Not an amazing year, but I think that he would be a guy that could give the Bengals' run defense some issues. And then you also have a guy in Gus Edwards who's another guy that could stretch uh, the field as well with his legs in terms of running horizontally and vertically as well. So those are going to be big issues, I think, for our Bengals defense. And the thing that it kind of reminds me of is the San Francisco offense, right? Except instead of a Debo Samuel, you have a Marquise Goodwin, a Hollywood Brown, a guy that's going to give – some trouble, but then you also have more of an emphasis on running, but then you also have a mix of that Kyler Murray element where Lamar Jackson can also use his legs to extend plays. So this defense being able to stop that offense is going to be key, and when you go back even to last year, their entire uh, game plan against us in that win, which they barely squeaked by, was concentrated about them running the ball. So can the Bengals stop the run? The linebackers haven't shown me that they can. Um, I think you brought up a good point with Darquez Denard. He's going to help try to set the edge 
Uh, but if he's not in there and you're depending on Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson the third, unfortunately, to try to set the edge, the Bengals are just going to have some issues there. Um, now, on offense, I think, like you said, we all know it starts with Andy Dalton. Um one thing that worries me is that we're going to have John Jerry starting at left guard, and that is just abysmal. Um, he didn't play he did. too bad last I was say, week. He did pretty good last week, though. How do you feel about his performance last week? Because I didn't get a chance to talk to you about the Cardinals game. Last week I thought that he did very, very well. But, you know, I just can't trust that, that John Jerry is going to be that guy. And, you know, you know, what even scares me more is that Alex Redmond is the backup at left tackle, which is just a disaster. But, but see, I like that better than Andrew Smith, though. I never felt like Andre Smith should have even been at left tackle. I like Alex Redmond's toughness at the very least, where even if somebody gets past him, don't you feel like he's just going to, like, just clothesline him and he's just going to be really rough and just just I battle mean, I, a little bit more? I hope I, so. I, but... None of them are legitimate, you know, tackles. Right. Right. But you like Andre Smith? Like, I – do you like Andre I don't Smith? like Andre Smith. I hate but, him at left tackle. I hate him but, at left tackle. But for me, like, Andre Smith, obviously, he's not anybody's first choice at left tackle, right? But he's at least played the position before. Like, to me, Alex Redman, the fact that he struggled at guard, to me, which is from, from – I mean, I've never obviously been a lineman or anything of that, that nature, but from being close to those guys and from – you know, the running back's perspective, which is what I played, and the, the slot receiver perspective, I've always been told that it's harder to play left tackle than it is to play guard. Like, most guys that don't work out at tackle tend to move into guard where it's kind of like a safe keep, and it's never the opposite of that, which is what I was kind of worried about. Like, when they, going back to Cedric Boyhe, when they were like, he struggled at right tackle, now we're going to make him the left tackle. And I'm like, that's the hardest position on the offensive line to play, in my opinion, from what I've been told. So throwing Alex Redman there is just like, wow, this is this is, this is is going to be bad. But if John Jerry can hold it down, I think that that's fine. But the thing that bodes well in our favor is that Baltimore right now is, is struggling to get any semblance of a pass rush. So that should tell us a lot going into um, the game this this weekend is can this Bengals offensive line, you know, hold up against the Baltimore Ravens? They held up against Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs the week before very impressively. There should be no reason for them to not be able to do the same against a Baltimore team that struggled to, to rush the passer. I'm so glad you're back because now I got some now now we're heating up people because I got some real questions for you. Someone threw this across me the other day well, it was actually an article and I cannot think of the guy that wrote it, but he suggested Billy Price at this point, right? Everyone talks about bust, and that's another note. Billy Price will be starting at left guard, but he's talking about bust in the NFL and in in the contentious view on Billy Price is that he is currently a bust. Let me ask you this. He suggested that A.J. Green get traded for um, a first-round pick for the 49ers, which is essentially like a second, and then uh, and then also get a second round the next year from the 49ers. But in exchange, the Bengals give up their second-round pick. That was one scenario. That was one thing they threw out. This is this is an article that anyone could look at online. I'm so sorry I could not remember the guy's name that wrote it, but this is a legit thing. The other thing that I thought was really really crazy. He said the value of Billy Price right now is a fifth round pick. At this point, knowing wow. what you know, knowing what you know, because at this point I'm ready to extend Trey Hopkins' contract. Knowing right. what you know. Like, Billy Price is not going to be the center of the Bengals moving forward. Billy Price was not drafted with Zach Taylor. What do you feel like would be a good value for Billy Price, like, being traded realistically outside in looking – I mean, outside looking in? Uh, I think right now, I think the fifth-round value for Billy Price is about spot on. Billy Price has has done nothing to really uh, inspire any confidence in anyone trading for him. Uh, I just think – to this point, he's he really has been a bust. I mean, um, I was saying, I remember getting killed for last year saying that Trey Hopkins was a better option to start over him. And, you know, I'm glad that that finally was able to come to fruition. Uh, but I think that it puts you in a bad place because 
you spent a first-round pick on Billy Price, which in some circles some people felt like that was a reach and that the Bengals should have waited uh, should have waited until the second round just because he had the shoulder injury. A lot of people felt that that was going to drive his stock down. And, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been the guy that can show that he can come in and make an impact. He struggled, whether you look at it from an analytical standpoint or whether you just watch a game with your eyes, uh, Billy Price has struggled. So I actually entertained trading Billy Price early on, even though offensive line was a weakness for us. I thought when Trey Hopkins – won the job, and at the time I thought if Christian Westerman was going to be in the mix that they should trade Billy Price. And, you know, some people kind of came in my neck, said that I was a hater. I, I'm i an Ohio State fan, but I don't wear Ohio <laughs> State glasses. And when, when we get to the league and we talk about the NFL, it doesn't matter to me what you did in college. It matters what you did, what you do for my team. So, for me, Why I does just, everybody think you're a hater? <laughs> Why is that? I, I don't. I'm Every a realist, man. You're, tell, you're telling me that all these people, who are these people that say you're a, a hater? A lot of people that, a lot of people that say that I'm a, a, a Billy Price hater are mostly Ohio State fans, which they forget that I'm an Ohio State fan myself. I don't keep up with it as much as they do, uh, but. You know, I just keep it real, man. I don't care if you were a Michigan Wolverine. Like, if you were Leon yeah. Hall and you came in and you bought, I'm going to give you your props. Like, the Bengals, to me, come first. Before Ohio State, before any of my other teams, the Bengals come first. So, if it's a guy that I have to pick from a team that I don't like, like, if you were if you were Michigan. talking about – Yes, Michigan or whether it's a former Pittsburgh Steeler, I don't care. As long as they play good for the Bengals, that's all that matters to me. And, you know, some people, rightfully so, were saying, you know, it's too early and things of that nature. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll give him another year. Look what he does this year. Like, Billy Price just isn't the guy. And um, I I don't think you can get much for him. I think, like the guy said, a fifth-round pick. uh, If you got a fourth-round pick, I think you would be running up to – uh, send that offer off. Hey, 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 you know what's so crazy though? The I think the average Bengal fan thinks that's so absurd. If you think that's absurd, write in the comments right now, and I will talk to you directly. I promise you on YouTube on New Stripe City when he loads this up. Make sure you talk to me because I'm telling you right now. I'm gonna tell you exactly why. We don't have enough time on the show today. I'll tell you why Billy Price doesn't make sense moving forward. But when I look at this whole entire thing. This is the scary part about the Bengals to me. This is the scariest part about it. If if you somehow get – all right, say Jonah Williams comes back, right, uh, even if it's the end of this year or whatever, and then say Alex Redman gets plugged in or and say A.J. Green, because A.J. Green, people talk about trading him, even myself, talking about getting a first round for him, but A.J. Green on this team, we're not – 0-5. Like, I think everybody would agree that. But me looking at the future, I'm just saying, like, he just doesn't match up with the window. Because now if you go get a new quarterback in 2020, then now the window is, like, looking like 2022 you know, to 24, where A.J. Green is now, like, 34, 35 years old. So to me, it just doesn't make sense. But the scariest part is, like, once you get some of these guys back healthy, instead of going to start winning games, they're not – just knowing what I know about Mike Brown and the history or whatever, we're already sitting here saying, like, yeah, let's look at quarterbacks. So let's look – like, if they start balling, say, like, week eight, nine, or something like that, and get, like – and push out three, four wins and then beat the Browns or something like that, this is scary to me. I think that, that you could potentially be looking at, like, a four or five wing team and them not blowing anything up with the false hope that, yeah, oh, yeah, when we come back next year – We'll have A.J. Green, we'll have Jonah Williams and all this stuff. But the the problem is that I just don't trust them in the draft. And Billy Price is a, an example of, like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you have to do these moves right now to go get the picks that you need to stop piling them up because based on your history, you just don't – you're not hitting enough. Like, I was looking at the chart for, like, the different, um you know, different drafts that we have. We have hit on a good amount of guys. But there's a, a shit ton of guys that we didn't. And Billy Price falls in that thing, along with a lot of other office alignment that they took early and late, including Christian Westerman. And so moving forward, I just don't want them to get like John Jerry starts to play a lot better. 
or like Harry did last week, and then you get Jonah back at the end of the year, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we don't have to blow this whole thing up. We don't need to stop politics. And then you're running out these same guys. This is the conversation I had with you two, three weeks ago when I said, Gino, Gino Atkins is doing well, right? But is he impacting the game so much so that you absolutely have to have him moving forward? Keep in mind, when they play the Cardinals, Cardinals give up more sacks than anything in the NFL. How many sacks does Gino Atkins have? Zero. Zero, right. Zero, zero. And, and the one Kyler Murray sack that it got was almost like a busted type of play, and then he just kind of ran up. I thought it was a scramble, but later on they called it as a sack. And, and I say that to say this. Somebody said, why would you just blow that when we got all this talent? We have talent, right? But the talent that's there, the 90% of the team, we're 0-5. So how much talent is it really? So, like, me throwing out these scenarios of, of uh, Gino going away, Billy Price going away and stuff, that's not blowing up the team. That's just, like, me looking at, okay, if this guy is so, so talented, as you guys are saying, and I don't want to go get the picks or stop Tyler's picks, why is it not translating on the field right now? Now, I know A.J. Green isn't there, and I know Jonah Williams isn't there, and Cordy Glenn isn't there, but that shouldn't make you 0-5. And these guys that you that everybody's hanging on to, why is that not translating to wins? If they're so talented, and that's my that's my number one argument. And the Billy Price thing just kind of goes along with it. It's just like that's not a Zach Taylor guy, so he doesn't have any ties to him. The way that the blocking scheme is is more like a power run, which would actually work better for the Ravens. The way that he set up, the way that Billy Price's game is, he would he would work out really really well for the Ravens where they're, they're lining up. They actually use a fullback sometimes, or the 49ers actually use a fullback sometimes, or some of these teams that we're talking about that actually use a fullback, and you're relying on that to get to your second level rather than a guy that can't that's limited and can't get to the second level like Billy Price. And I right. just thought that was I thought that was a very interesting argument um, for the trade on Billy Price, but then moving forward, I'm just looking at the whole scenario and I'm just like, why did we even? Why would you even keep Billy Price? He doesn't even make sense for this team. Right, I yeah, I totally agree with you, and I I think I may be in that minority that wants to to hold on to those those AJ Green and Geno Atkins players, and the only the only reason, man, is because I honestly, and people are probably gonna kill me for this, I honestly think the reason and the difference between zero and five and and having a team that should be three and two right now is Andy Dalton, and I just. I just don't want to <laughs> get rid of yeah. those guys, and then it's like, you know, it comes to, comes to find out that Andy Dalton was an issue. Like, say, for instance, we get your boy Justin Herbert or we get, uh, you know, a new quarterback in there, and then we go back to being 9-7, and seven, but we've shipped off an all-pro Hall of Famer in Geno. We shipped off an all-pro in A.J. Green, and then we, like, just can't beat, you know, the Steelers or the Ravens because we don't have those guys. That's what I'm worried about. I'm not I'm – not, uh, I'm not uh, opposed to trading those guys away. I just would like to see it, like, at least get a, another year with, like, a new quarterback to see if that would change anything. And if not, I feel like the type of players that they are, you're still going to get that value for them because a lot of people might consider and view A.J. Green as the best player on this team, right? But he's actually mm-hmm. not. Like, when you really take a close look at it, it's actually Geno Atkins because Geno Atkins is the only player on this team that has been an all-pro. And when I say all-pro, I don't mean pro bowler. I mean an all-pro voted by the the media guys around the U.S. in terms of NFL players. He's the only mm-hmm. guy that has been a first-team all-pro multiple times. A.J. Green hasn't even done that. Um, so you're talking about a future Hall of Famer, but if things aren't working out like Zim is saying, then you can't be opposed to trading everybody away. I think I saw a poll on Twitter with like 1,500 votes where people were saying, hey, would you trade A.J. Green and Geno Atkins to rebuild? 85% of the people at that time out of like 1,500 said yes. So I know that I'm in the minority, and I'm only in that minority because it's like, damn, I don't want to lose these guys because Duke Tobin decided to keep sticking it out here with Andy Dalton where if you would have a guy like a Phillip Rivers, I think it's night and day. If you were to have a guy like a Russell Wilson or a Lamar Jackson or even a Deshaun Watson, I think this team is is probably in first place right now in the AFC North. I mean, the AFC North uh, oh, is bad. So that's I, that's just a tough pill for me to swallow is, 
yeah, yeah, I I know that we should probably blow it up, but it's like I'm going to be the guy that not to try to blame everything on Dalton because I think when you realistically look at Dalton, he's limited and he's only as good as the situation around him. But at the end of the day, you have to look in the mirror and say, is that the type of quarterback that you want in this league? Is that the type of quarterback that you're going to be willing to pay $30 million to every year? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the guy that you're willing to lose all of these players? And you, you can look at Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, right? Are you willing to lose an Amari Cooper or lose, a, you know, even though they resigned their defensive tackle, are you willing to really lose those guys over a guy like Dak Prescott? And that's the question that I just have is, you know, what does it look like without him at the quarterback position? And I don't think that's realistic for me to look at now. And, I mean, at 0-5, I can't really feel like that. But that's the only thing that has me feeling like, well, man, but should we really my like it? is scary. It's scary, though, in this regard. The if other they thing get... that scares me, too, um, not, not to cut you off or whatever, is say we do trade those guys. Do we really trust that Duke Tobin's going to, like, find somebody else that's better than yeah. them? Like, yeah. our scouting department is literally, like, three guys. <laughs> so, like, this, that's the this, only this, thing that scares me. But this is the scary part about what you're proposing. Say that they get success from and – and I saw some of this, and I, and I kind of – like, look at the stats. Like, Danny Dalton is a master of this. Look at the stats from the Cardinals game and his quarterback rating, right? He had 107 passing rating or whatever – Threw for 262, two touchdowns, no interceptions, right? right? But watching that game, he did everything that I think he probably could have did in the second half, I think, not, not including the third quarter. Let's just focus on the fourth quarter. That right. brief moment right there is right. enough for the front office and that's enough for people, Dalton enthusiasts, to say, yeah, that's the guy. But if you were right. watching that whole attack, and, and you could look at the first quarter with the Tyler Eifert drop on that key third down and the Auden Tate potential touchdown drop, and then you say, okay, see what happens when uh, Dalton gets uh, legit um, pass protection from John Jerry in this one game? Imagine if that's Jonah Williams and Cordy Glenn on the left side. Then you have this whole thing where now you're keeping Dalton and you're keeping Gino and all these guys because they're basing all of their hope on on help. And that's the part that's scary to me. It's like nine years later, this guy didn't elevate anything, and we're watching that game. You're watching that game. Do you feel like Andy Dalton did enough to win it or make anybody better? Do you feel like that is? Uh, No, I don't. But I I know that the Dalton enthusiasts are going to look at that and say, hey, look at the box score. He threw for 200 and – two touchdowns, and he played good because nobody was on him. But at the end of the day, it was the Arizona Cardinals, and you were beaten. You were beaten, just like you said, because Kyler Murray was the better quarterback. And when you want to win in this league, you have to have a quarterback every game. You look at Chicago. Chicago right now, and just to make it so that it's not just about Dalton, if Chicago had a better quarterback, they would be Super Bowl contenders. But they can't even do anything because they've got Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback and now Chase Daniels. Would like, you rather have Mitchell Trubisky or Andy Dalton? No, I wouldn't. No, no, I would, no, 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 no. Just, I'd rather have rather Andy have? Dalton, just so people know. Mitchell that I'm Trubisky? Not like a, yes, because Mitchell I'd rather, Trubisky. I'd rather, have, I'd rather have Mitchell Trubisky because he can move. And a lot of Dalton's Achilles uh, Hill or whatever is, yeah, right. Mitchell Trubisky's offense is limited. But he right. can scramble and move, and that's the one thing that hurts Dalton to me. Like that's why, like right. when it, like when we're talking about Dalton, you're gonna have a hard time, like even getting rid of him because they depleted all of his value. They made him look really, really terrible. Put a bad line in front of him, and right. the value isn't there right now. So your argument for even getting a new quarterback, the and I said this on the show on the last week. The Dalton's value is only after the draft, and you're not gonna get much for him. Like, you're not going to get much more. The only way you could luck into something really sweet. And and two years ago, this was so different. You could have got a first round for Dalton. The Cowboys would have went all over it. The Vikings, before they signed Cousins, would have went all over it. Like, it's so many teams that could use a Dalton. But now, name me one team in the NFL that would want a Dalton. Do you know one team? Because the only team I could even think about is maybe the Bears. And that's the reason why you – I mentioned that. It's like maybe the Bears, that's the only team. 
but I don't see them trading for Dalton because the Bears' dilemma is they won't be bad enough to get one of these really, really good quarterbacks, um, you know, and then they're probably looking for a solid uh, NFL quarterback, like some kind of like how the Broncos went and got Flacco. Dalton would right. be their Flacco, right? That's the right. only thing. And, and let's say, uh, let's say the Colts, uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett doesn't play that well towards the end of the year and they end up eight and eight. Then I right. can see those two teams. Any other team, there's not one team in the NFL that will want Dalton. The Cardinals had their person. The Dolphins are going to have a number one, number two pick. Like there's nobody left, and that's there's the literally problem. nobody left. Yeah, there's nobody. So if you're a if you're a Dalton fan, think about that. We're telling you, and you see it too. Name me one team that Dalton would be is a better option than a court a starting quarterback. There's not any left. There's not any left. Like honestly, I would I would have said uh, maybe Washington, the Buccaneers. Washington could have been there just because of Jay Gruden, but he just got fired. So like that's that's a wrap there. He's, but he's see, a I think they'll come. I think they'll come with Haskins, right? They'll come with Haskins is maybe a legit backup. They'll move on from Keenan, I'm sure, whatever, right? But they're so bad that they're going to have a top three, top four pick. So they right. don't want Dalton. Right. Yeah, I don't okay. think anybody wants Dalton right now. I think I think you're right on that. I think the only way uh, Dalton gets moved is uh, possibly, like, if the Bengals get to the draft next year and they draft one and they still have Andy Dalton on the roster, they'll trade him, but it won't be for, for much of anything. I think you'd be lucky to get a fourth-round pick for him at that point. I think you can get a little bit higher than that, but that's the problem. They depleted all his value, and, and it, it just really drives me insane because a Dalton lover is going to tell you that. Nah, like, just stick it out. And that's the scary part about the season. I, excuse me, I want you guys to see because a lot of people say, see what happens when you give Dalton time? And I think the front office is feeling like that too. And then that's how you end up with all of these guys. And I know how you feel about Gino, and I hear everything you're saying, right? Right. But if, go watch Khalil Mack. Go watch uh, uh, Lawrence. Go watch um, uh, well, which one call I had a. I, I was really, really watching him, Aaron Donald, this past week. Go right. watch these guys. They're impacting the game so much that it's the difference between, like, think about the Dunlap uh, Colts game last year. That's the difference of us winning and losing the game. He impacted right. the game so much, made an elite play to win that game, right? right? Currently, right now, they're not doing that. And that's the problem that I have. It doesn't match up with the window of success. Like, you could keep them if you had a Kyler Murray in place right now. If you had a Lamar Jackson in place right now, they don't even have step one. So by the time this guy gets, like, by the time they're 33, 34, it's like when these guys, the guy that we're potentially talking about is going to hit their peak. And that scares me, man, because if they keep them, now you're limited. Then also with Dalton, like, look look at the Rams. Look at golf. Like, because right. they had to pay golf, they lost some people off the line, they're suddenly not as good. The window is very, very small. Like, right. you got to hit, and you got to hit while these guys are in their rookie contract or that fifth-year option. Once you get right. outside of that, you don't have any money to, to have a, a complete balanced team, and that's the right. problem. Right. I totally agree with you, man. I'm I'm hoping – I'm hoping it doesn't have to come to that, but I'm facing the reality that that might have to be the case where we have to we have to get rid of those guys, man. If it's just not going to work, I just I just don't know where they go from there. If if it's going to be, you know, they move on with Billings and Glasgow and what they do there, or 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 what it is. But um, to wrap things up, bringing it back to the Ravens, what is your prediction for this game? Man, I surely went off track, didn't I? <laughs> no, you <good. laughs> The Ravens, I, I just think that this game is like they don't have enough to keep up with them, man. I, I'm going 24-7 uh, Ravens. I, I just, I, I think out of all the teams, you couldn't pull out a win on the Cardinals. It's like who could you beat at this point? Um, and for me, if you guys have been following me, that's not a bad thing. Because I'm not really – I'm not at the front line saying, hey, let's get a win. During the game, I'm cheering for us to do well. But ultimately, I'm not mad at it. But I just don't see them stopping the run. They don't have enough pieces to stop the run, period. And I just think ultimately that's just the downfall of this game. It's the same way it was last year where Gus Edwards runs for like 200 yards, Lamar runs for 100. I don't see why it would be any different. And, and Marquise Brown and these guys that you're naming – 
Drake Kirkpatrick is, is not going to be ready for that. And Lou Anarumu doesn't have his system 100% in play. I just don't think it works out good for the defense this week. I think this is the first week that I'll probably just be totally locked in on the defense. And from an offensive standpoint, i probably back up a little bit. But from a defensive standpoint, I just I hate the matchup. I hated the Kyler Murray matchup. I thought, like, if they could just slow him down, they'd be okay. If they slow down Lamar Jackson, they won't be okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, they still got weapons, and and that's the difference in this game. It's like, if you couldn't beat the Cardinals, you couldn't beat the Bills, like, all of these guys that get that lack talent at these key positions, uh, the the Ravens absolutely have a, three, a three-headed running game. They absolutely have speed on the outside, and they have a legitimate, probably one of the best coaches in the NFL to match yeah. to even – to go up with that, like top three right. coach in the NFL to even to outsmart um, that, and that's been out coach every single game. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, man. I think it's 27-17 Ravens um, for the same reasons. I just don't see them stopping the run, man. And I just I see this being a game where they're just gonna run the ball and they're just gonna get Marquise Brown in space and and let him go to work. So. I mean, we saw what the Steelers employed against us. Everybody's been copying essentially what the 49ers did. I see the Ravens doing something very similar, and I see them winning this game 27-17. to 17. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Um, we're in the podcast store at Cincy Jungle. Be sure to follow us on our social media pages. Like I said, the donation page will be on uh, the link in my bio on Instagram and on Twitter. That's New Stripe City, so be sure to check it out there. Um, also, subscribe to Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore Huday. This has been the Orange New. Orange is the new black podcast, and we are out. Who that? Who that? Welcome to New Stripe City, a YouTube channel for diehard Bengals fans. I am your host, Ace Boogie. We are on the Orange is the new black podcast, and I have a special host today. Uh, we're taking on the Ravens. Um, it's definitely going to be a division rivalry game, and I felt there was no better person to bring on than Ng Ravens. Ng Ravens, uh, introduce yourself to the people and let them know where they can find your stuff. What's going on? Appreciate you having me on. Um, clean, keep it clean. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, it's the channel is Engraving Vids, uh, where we talk about Ravens predominantly, but we talk about all the NFL, but a lot of Ravens stuff on there, so you're probably going to get tired of Ravens if you watch the channel. But um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. Everything is all Engraving Vids um, and super active on all of them. So appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, appreciate it. So let's get into it. Uh, obviously, the Ravens are three and two, and they lead the division right now. Uh, I personally had the Ravens at seven and nine, taking a step back, but it seems like I was wrong with that. And it seems like the the division as a whole, the AFC North, is pretty bad this year. And I think possibly nine at nine and seven, I think could possibly take it. Uh, well, one thing I want to know is why have the Ravens been so up and down this season? They started off very hot, and then they've kind of had some lackluster performances. I, I think it's uh, been the case of going young, um, going young on both sides of the ball. Uh, there's that lack of experience, and with that lack of experience, um, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. Uh, I know a lot of people made a, a lot of people made a big deal of the losses of Eric Weddle. C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, and Zadarius Smith. And I remember initially when people were making a big deal of that in the offseason, I was like, no, we'll be be straight. And if anything, like with the defense especially, if they take a drop off, if they they take a step back, then, well, of course, the the only way to go from number one, because they were the number one defense last year, the only only place to go is down from here. Uh, So I figured they'll probably still be top five at the worst, maybe top ten. Um, but the, the defense is still going to be fine. But just that lack of experience, that lack, that lack of football IQ, it's, it's been showing big time. It's been showing big time. And as far as the offense, the inconsistencies there is that with uh, Lamar Jackson, it's like when, when players take out the, the only people who Ravens are getting the ball to, then the Ravens don't do anything. Because the only people who've been making plays Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown, and that's it. Uh, but, like, in the passing game, if they take away Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, 
then the Ravens aren't getting anybody else involved, and that's been a huge problem for them. So I think it's just the, the biggest thing. The reason I say the Ravens have been taking a step back this year and they haven't really looked so good. While they do sit at 3-2, and two, they still haven't really looked good, and they got a, a long ways to go, but I think it's due to the lack of inexperience, or the lack of experience, excuse me. So the Bengals' Achilles heel uh, for this season has been our offensive line, and for the Ravens, it seems like you guys have lacked a consistent pass rush. Uh, who are the Ravens going to depend on to get pressure on that Bengals' offensive line? This defensive coordinator, he is going to have to come up with something because for these past five weeks, absolutely nothing has worked. The pass rush has been super – it's actually been consistent, but it's, it's been consistent at not getting to the quarterback uh, because they haven't been they haven't been getting any pressure. Um, Matt, we would have to just hope for a good game for Matt Judon, Pernell McSee, uh, and but just know we don't we have such a lack of depth there, um, and like a lack of quality depth at the position at the pass rush, and even when we've been sending more than four, they'll send five, they'll send six sometimes, they still have not been getting to the quarterback, um, so hopefully I know the Bengals yeah they they have been struggling on the offensive line. Um, but hopefully the defensive coordinator can come up with something to where we can actually get to the quarterback this game because if we can, it's, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, man, it's possible that we're going to have John Terry starting that left tackle. So if you guys can't get to um, Andy Dalton with that, then that's going to be that's going to be telling right there. Uh, but my next question is: It just seems like, and I watched some of your video as well. And I think you were you were right on when you said that the Bengals. The Steelers just have our number, right? And you right. guys always play well against the Steelers. But it seems like when it comes to Baltimore and Cincinnati, a recent history, and I say recent history because I remember the times with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, and we kind of struggled with you guys too. But since yeah. the Andy Dalton era has kind of came in, it seems like you guys kind of struggle against us. Why oh, yeah. do you think that that is the case? Well, just think Andy Dalton, he – it's, I don't know what it is about him. So I think Andy Dalton, when he's one of those those quarterbacks, he's one of those streaky quarterbacks. When he's hot, he is hot. He's on it. Uh, he can pick apart a defense. But when he's cold, oh, he, he's ice cold. Um, but with him in, in Baltimore, he's had, uh, I think, a big part of his success, A.J. Green. A.J. Green has been huge for him, and guys like Tyler Eifert, and of course, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Giovanni Bernard over the years. Um, he has, oh, and, and can't forget about Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is also a Ravens killer as well. But, um, he's just been finding those guys and, and he, his playmakers have been making plays for him. And he goes into Baltimore with a, just, just an attitude and a, uh, just a mindset of these ain't these same Ravens. Like, I, I didn't take care of business against these Ravens before. And his past success, I think it gives him a certain confidence, especially when he's in Baltimore, especially when he's there. I mean, of course, we are uh, Ravens fans. You you bring up that fourth and 12. Oh, that that, that kills us, man. That that right. kills us, man. And then even we think about uh, past years. I remember um, oh, the – I think the – yeah, the Ravens still won the game, but some of the most memorable games were uh, that tip drill game. The game at the very end, it was like a Hail Mary. Andy Dollar threw right. it up, and um, James Ahedable tipped it up, and I think A.J. Green was the one that came down with it. Yeah, and sir, then, um, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, 2014, season opener, we just got Steve Smith Sr. He had his first catch as a Raven. He stiff-armed Pac-Man Jones and ran for a touchdown. It was like a maybe like a 50-60 yard touchdown, but then that same game in Baltimore, home opener, season opener, the very end, A.J. Green, he stiffed on uh, Jimmy Smith. He stiffed on – I forgot who the other cornerback was, and he got the game when it touched down, and it, and it hurt our souls bad. But um, I, he, just his, his success that he's had, he just not even just versus the Ravens, too, but versus the Ravens even in Baltimore, he just has a uh, an attitude that's like, I'm, I'm not scared of these dudes. I'm not right. scared. And he's been – he's really established himself as a real threat. Well, one thing I think that is going to bode in you guys' favor is obviously uh, A.J. Green not being in is going to be huge. And like you said, he kind of tends to rely on A.J. Green in those games. So 
Um, there will be Tyler Boyd, but then another guy that won't be there also will be John Ross. So that kind of bodes well for you guys uh, from a matchup standpoint. Uh, but you talked about Andy Dalton, and uh, a lot of our fans right now, we're kind of at the crossroads with Andy Dalton, similar to you guys with Joe Flacco. And um, a couple years ago, I actually was one of uh, the few YouTubers uh, for the Bengals that wanted us to take a chance on Lamar Jackson. And when we passed on him and I saw you guys get him, I told so many of our fans, I looked and saw what they did in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield and what they did with Lamar Jackson. And I said, no lie, I said, we have the worst quarterback in the division now. Uh, Because Lamar is such a dynamic player. And I enjoyed watching him from afar because I live in Florida as well. Um, At one point I lived in Tallahassee. So I witnessed like the emergence of Lamar Jackson when he came out and he tore Florida State up. I remember that game. Um, So I tried to warn people about, you know, how dynamic he is. And my next question is, what is it like having a dynamic quarterback in your offense and not only having that guy, but also having Colin Kaepernick's former coordinator, Greg Roman, at the offensive coordinator position? It's it's exciting. Um, With Lamar Jackson, the thing I love about him is that um, I feel like with him, he has – he's been working. And he's taking he's I mean he's taking a lot of steps forward really fast. Uh, a lot of people he has been uh, probably one of the most scrutinized quarterbacks um, over the past year, um, and a lot of people don't even realize this dude hasn't even played 16 games yet. Hasn't even played 16 games yet. Um, but just the uh, the growth that we've seen from last year to this year. Uh, just with them letting him do a little bit more. Um, with Greg Roman, Colin Kaepernick's former offensive coordinator, um, uh, well, former former coach, but yeah, he, uh, oh, you know, former offensive coordinator for the 49ers. He, I was super excited when we when we promoted him to offensive coordinator, uh, but it's still been a struggle because I still feel like they, what the Ravens have been doing this season, they have been. I think they've been listening to the outside noise too much because so many people talk about, oh, Lamar can throw, he can't throw, he can't pass, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the Ravens, one big struggle with their offense has been the fact that they they are really just trying to show people and, and force him to pass the ball in situations where he can run. And my biggest problem with the Ravens offense this year has been the fact that they um, they haven't been letting Lamar be Lamar. Yeah, we know he can pass. We got that. We get that. Um, but let him run too. And I and it's it's like with Lamar running. I know a lot of people. One conclusion that a lot of people jump to: Oh, he's gonna get hurt. He runs so much. He's gonna get hurt. He's gonna take big shots. But he, he doesn't take big shots at all. Uh, he rarely takes big hits. Um, and a lot of his runs, he's going out of bounds. He's just going to the ground. Um, and a lot of people fail to realize that because they just simply look at the stat sheet. Um, but with Lamar, with Lamar Jackson, uh, it, it is exciting. Um, this this new era, uh, and one of the biggest things that's exciting about it is the fact that uh, with the Lamar, he has that ability just to keep those drives going. And there there are more options as far as the offense with a Lamar Jackson as opposed to a Joe Flacco. Uh, and I, I I love Joe Flacco. I had enjoyed him. Um, I did feel like we we moved on a little bit too late. Um, I feel like he should have. They, they should have moved on a few years back. But I guess with timing being everything, I am glad they did wait. So they were in a position to get a Lamar Jackson. Right. Cool. So just to try to kind of close things out, I know you got to run here. Um, how do the Ravens beat the Bengals in this game? If you can give a score prediction, and with uh, another question in there is with you guys facing the Patriots and the Seahawks following this game. Is this considered a must-win by you? And yeah, uh, it, it certainly is. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, and how how can the Ravens beat the Bengals by just playing their game? Playing their game. Um, don't try to mimic the Bengals game. Don't try to mimic anybody. Play your game. They need to run that ball. Uh, they have to work on the fundamentals. I mean, last last game against the Steelers, the fundamentals the fundamentals had improved a lot as far as just tackling, wrapping guys up and tackling. Um the the defensive communication has to be 
it has to be on point. We just lost Tony Jefferson for the season. He was the uh, guy that had the green dot, so he was the one calling the plays. Um, now that's going to be given uh, to Peanut, uh, inside linebacker number 48. Um, and he uh, he struggled with calling the plays, so he uh, he's going to definitely have to take a big step up. Um, and they, they, they cannot, and I know they won't, especially based on history, but they, they cannot take this team lightly. Um, I honestly, uh, honestly, just because this Ravens team has been struggling so much and they just have not been playing their game, I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if the Ravens lost. Uh, it, this can easily go either way, easily go either way. I know the Bengals haven't won a game yet, but it, that doesn't mean anything in this rivalry. I do think the Ravens are going to win, but I, I do not think it's going to be by much. I think the most the Ravens win by is five. I think it could be like um, like 23-18, something close like that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it will blow out because I don't feel like being stressed out on Sunday, but I just I just know that stress is coming. It's going to be a long day. But I think the Ravens barely get by the Bengals in this one because Bengals, regardless of not having A.J. Green, regardless of not having John Ross, they they still going to bring it, man. Hey, well, we appreciate having you on, Ink Raven. This is the Orange is the New Black podcast. Before you get out, just let the fans know where they can find your stuff one more time. Oh, yeah, and, again, appreciate y'all having me on, too, man. Um, YouTube is Ink Raven Vid, Team Keep It Clean. Um, the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, all that good stuff is all Ink Raven Vid. So appreciate it, man, big time. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you for being on, man. Take it easy. Ain't no problem. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.